0: Welcome to another edition of NACA's American Dream Podcast. It's a production of the Neighborhood Assistance Corporation of America. With us again, NACA founder and CEO Bruce Marks. We've had such incredible conversations. This one I'm really going to enjoy. This one, as you know, is personal to me. Let's talk about the Save the Dream events that happened back during the the, uh, crash
1: of the housing market. Tim, so when you start out and we talk about this, I testified on September 12th of 2000 in front of the House Financial Services Committee and I said that this mortgage crisis was going to happen. Remember, September 12th of 2000. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I was one of the first people to speak about that because we knew that it was coming. Because while NACA, as you know, provides the best mortgage in the country, we saw a lot of people who had our mortgages out there who were who were refinancing, who were getting mortgages that we knew were structured to fail. So they're getting cash out, in some cases. Uh, they were, we knew that you know they had initial affordable rate and payment, but we looked at those notes and those mortgages and they were gonna reset. And they were gonna reset uh, for m- payments that we knew the homeowners could not afford. So, you know, we were doing the purchase program, but we said, you know, that this is a crisis that was looming. And we said the biggest players out there, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, but particularly Fannie Mae, that, you know, that they had to stop buying these mortgages from countrywide and other predatory lenders and they should keep to their mission of providing conventional mortgages and ha- continue to have that as the standard. So when I testified at that hearing, it was very interesting because I was invited by the Republicans to the, that hearing. So in the line, you know, I, I can get in because I'm, obviously I'm one of the people testifying and you know, we can get a, a few people in but there's a huge line to get into the hearing and we looked and said, who are the people getting coming in? And we talked to them, and it was homeless people that were standing in line. And then 15 minutes before the, they were letting people into the hearings, it switched. And the Fannie Mae people, who we had uh, focused on and targeted to say that you've got to change your, change your practices, um, switched with them. And they took their positions and we said, well, how's this? You know, and it turns out, and we talked to some of the companies that were doing this. So they hire the homeless people. They stand in line as line sitters for five, 10, 15 hours. And Thannie Mae was paying each line sitter, the company, $500 per slot. Mm. They were paying them that kind of money just to get into the hearing. So at the hearing, it was a very, it was a very um, contentious hearing because uh, I did not accept the premise that uh, the members of Congress could make statements that were untrue. And so when they were making statements that were untrue, I, um, I ended up correcting them. And they said, you can't do that. That's out of our, you know, our normal, normal procedures, our standard operating procedures. Said, well, you know, if you're gonna say things that are lies, that are not true, then I'm gonna take that on. So, you know, but it was a contentious hearing uh, focused on Fannie Mae. And if you remember back then, it was Raines. Uh, what was his name, Harold Raines, was it, was that? No, it was, he was head of Fannie Mae uh, it was Rains, and he said that his father, and it, you know, he comes, was dealing with subprime lending, and he thought that subprime lending was a good thing, and so this was the head of Fannie Mae, and if you went to his corporate offices, I mean, the guy lived like a like, like he was a emperor. I mean, he had two assistants on each side of his office. Going in there to go into his office, and it was like this big desk and just like he, like he was an emperor. Huh. But you know, this was you know, who, who was running Fannie Mae back then. So that's where it started. And so we, we were preparing for this crisis. And the reason why, so we knew that these mortgages that people were getting were structured to fail. And there's a lot of pressure on us, Tim, that said, uh, let's uh, change NACA's underwriting criteria. Let's make it more flexible so we could compete and stay in business uh, against these predatory lenders. But we said, no, we're not gonna change our criteria. We're gonna keep to the NACA standard that it's gonna be uh, an affordable payment, fixed rate mortgages, that's the deal. And in the end, we had to close a number of our offices. We reduced our staffing, our offices by about a third, because we said, you know, we just cannot, it will not compete and tried to um, try to get business from these subprime lenders. Because we knew that these mortgages were structured to fail. So then, uh, you know, this is going on for a number of years. We're gearing up and then two, 2007 comes along and we see the crisis starting to happen. And so we said, okay, the best way to deal with this is if you were initially to do the refinances. And so we, we, we ended up committing over a billion dollars to refinance mortgages. Eh, that didn't work. It, we couldn't get the volume, the underwriting criteria was too restrictive, and just didn't work. So then in 2008, on August 23rd of 2008, we have a press conference at the National Press Club, and we said that countrywide, which at that point was considered the gold standard, was the most, was the worst predatory lender in the country and had to be taken on. No one had taken on countrywide. No one had criticized countrywide. But we at that press conference, we had victims of, uh, of um, people who had a countrywide mortgage. We said we're going to start the campaign against Countrywide. August 23rd of 2008. At that point weren't they the largest mortgage lender in the country? They were the largest and you know and the most aggressive out there. So that started the campaign. So then come, uh, come on uh, back to uh, Boston and uh, you know and we said okay so then we're going we're, we're gonna to do our, you know, our campaigns that started our campaign against Countrywide. So we're going to go to their offices and we're going to shut down their offices. So we thought, you know, we put the, the word out that we would get maybe 50, 75 people. We had over 250 people come. And so we went to their offices in uh, um, Boston, Jamaica Plain and other places in Boston, you know, and what happened was amazing because people were so angry to him. They were so angry that we went to the offices and people insisted on going into the offices and shutting them down. I mean, people were just beyond the pale, for good reason, because these mortgages, they're losing their homes. And the one that was stands out is the one that uh, we did in Jamaica Plain, close to part of Boston, close to where our office is. And we, and, and we uh, go in there and obviously the staff there is really, you know the countrywide staff is really upset and they say to uh the police officer said you know you you you've got to stop this right well the police officer is a NACA member he's a <laughs> NACA homeowner so he kept the door open he said just don't hurt any, anybody but you're welcome to go in and raise as much ruckus as you want so we took over the offices and we started doing this and then um uh, it spread to Chicago, and it was, it was just, just it was going to go wildfire. So then I get a call from um, executives at Countrywide, and they want to meet. And so uh, they called me on a Thursday, and they're coming in on Saturday. So when they came in, I figured oh, they would come in in their you, know, uh, their, you know, on a commercial jet. No, they flew in in their private Never jet, day. their private jet. So they come to the office and, uh, to, to our office, and, um, you know, we go through this intensive negotiations. Uh, it was, it started like, you know, at around 11 in the morning, and it goes, and we're going to, you know, we're trying to work out an agreement where they would modify the mortgages, right? Sandy Samuels was there, and, uh, you know, and he is having these arguments with David Sample, who is a hard-nosed, you know, guy, you know, who really is, was the person who moved countrywide into predatory lending. So while Angel Mozilla was the head person, it was really David Sample behind the scenes. And then when you saw some of the emails going between David Sample and Angel Mozilla, you you saw, you know, Angel Mozilla was saying, why are we doing this? What type of product is this? So you could say the countrywide started out with good intentions, but it became the premier predatory lender in the country. So at 4 at o'clock in the morning, between 3 and 4 o'clock in the morning, the, uh, everything broke down. The negotiations broke down. We couldn't come to an agreement. You heard Sandy Samuels, who was their corporate lawyer, yelling, and having these arguments because they were in a room but you can hear it all with David Samville, and to do that but, so I had to drive Sandy Samuels back to uh, the hotel. But we had a plan B, because the Mortgage Bankers Association was having its annual meeting in Boston. And uh, so we, and it was at the Heinz Auditorium and the union was the hotel workers union. So we had the plan to go in there and we were going, and um, the, uh, uh, the event that they were, the countrywide event was being sponsored by uh, U2 uh, and Bono. And so we had gotten in touch with his, with his people. So if we couldn't come to agreement, he was going to walk from that. And we were going to um, disrupt that meeting <laughs> because, you know, we, we could get into the Mortgage Bank Association and with the hotel workers there, we had that. So, uh, but then that morning, Sandy Samuels and you know, he was able to convince Countrywide to do an agreement and that was the first one to modify mortgages. And that set the standard out there for saying that you can modify a mortgage. So here you would have, you know, very high interest rates, unaffordable terms. You can reduce the interest rate to as low as 2%. Where necessary, reduce reduced outstanding principal to get to an affordable payment where You could uh, borrow or would save hundreds, maybe over a thousand dollars a month in their mortgage payments. So we got countrywide. And then we said, okay, you know, we uh, went after all the others. So we ended up getting legally binding agreements with all the major servicers, lenders, and investors. So we got them with Citi, with Wells Fargo, with Chase, uh, with the biggest inve- investors, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, and then with a lot of the other subprime lenders out there. So we had these legally binding agreements because what the government was doing uh, with Obama was not helping the homeowners. It was not. So then you said, okay, so you, you, so you have these agreements, then the question is, what do you do with them? The first uh, agreement that we did with the press conference with um, Countrywide was on August 23rd of 2007, of 2007. And so we did that, and so that was going on. That was when the uh, mortgage crisis was uh, starting. And then the mortgage crisis really hit in February of 2008. So what happened in um, February of 2008? It's because it's not that there were certain borrowers who, new borrowers who, Uh, couldn't afford the mortgages is because the mortgages started to reset. And then uh, some of the investors started to balk at some of um, the refinances out there. So that's where you saw where mortgage payments were going up. They were by hundreds sometimes doubling in terms of the cost of of the uh, mortgage payments. So our solution on the refinances wasn't working that you know billion dollars that we Had committed to doing that, and then we, as I said, that we were able to get. We started the campaign against countrywide, so we were able to, you know, get them to set a good standard, the NACA standard of modifying mortgages. We got a lot of the servicers, lenders, to get on board on uh, those campaigns, you know, with um, those agreements. And then in um, uh, July 18th of 2008, we did our first event at the Capitol Hilton Hotel in Washington, D.C., right by the White House. And as you remember, that that event, we had literally, I mean, we're there for four days, and we literally had thousands and thousands of people. I mean, at 3 o'clock in the morning, there were thousands of people outside. It was crazy. And then on the third day, uh, about 5 uh, o'clock in the morning, you know, get a call saying, there's about Five, 6,000 people outside, uh, and this was between uh, the Capitol Hilton Hotel and outside on the street next to the, AF, uh, next to the you know, AFL-CIO, and it was hot. It was a brutally hot day, but that morning, but we had planned for that because our plan B was that we had another church nearby that we could do these, uh, uh, that we could bring people to because the Capitol Hilton Hotel, they were panicked because Literally, people in the ballroom were going in circles with with circles within a circle within a circle, and we would be counseling people, and it was hot. And our servers, our um, servers that we had there, the computers, you know, they were overheating. Uh, at the headquarters in Boston, where we had more servers with more of the computers, it was hit by lightning, so we had to send some people back there to to fix that. Uh, we um, we had you know people were just st- almost storming into the Capitol Hilton to get in, and then so w- you know went outside and the police were going to shut it down. I mean, I mean the Washington Post was reporting on it because they couldn't get into the building of the Washington Post because people were lined up. So they kept asking, "Why are you lined up here? Do uh, this because I'm trying to get to the NACA Save the Dream event." So we uh, ended up, um, so what we did is that we ended up taking people from the back of the line, bringing them into the other church, and we do these workshops of over a thousand people each, getting everybody into a process where we can help them. Uh, I got really mad because the AFL-CIO, that, it was a weekend, they wouldn't even open up their doors. I said, you're, you're supposed to be other people, and they wouldn't even open up the doors. I mean, it was in the mid-90s. Everybody was just hot. and that. Um, the police wanted to bring in the riot police to, uh, to shut it down. I said, we got this. You, you, uh, you know, bring in the riot police, you're gonna have a riot on your hands here. So we had our staff and you know, our volunteers, and we managed it, and people were really, you know, just wanted, they were just de- desperate for help. So that was our first Save the, Save the Dream event, where we, we actually had Fannie Mae there, and they were actually doing some of the modifications on site. So that gave us the model for how we're gonna do this in um, the future. But our goal was to do this for maybe a year, set a standard, and then, uh, you, know, we, you know, the lenders would do the right thing and to, to do the model. So the next one we did was in Stanford. Uh, so we had, a, you know, again, there's thousands and thousands of people but we couldn't get Chase on board. So, you know, Chase was uh, uh, a big problem uh, because they had a lot of mortgages. So then we said, well, uh, um, Jamie Dimon, uh, the CEO of Chase, he lives uh, outside of uh, Stanford. And so we did the reconnaissance. And he lives uh, on, um, he, he lives, on a huge property. It's like uh, it's a complex of these mansions on, 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 on a hill. Uh, so he has the, this estate, right? And there's a big wire fence around his estate. You know, a like 12-foot wire fence. And, um, but he lives on a lake. So we ended up uh, buying uh, uh, a half-dozen rafts, very nice rafts, <laughs> And, uh, you know, we're going to do well, we're going to have thousands of people surround his house and we're going to do an amphibious assault uh, onto his property to do that. So, you know, but you can't do that at the last minute. So we had the rafts, they were, you know, had speaker systems on it and the whole thing. So we go there uh, two days before we're going to do this amphibious assault and we're burying the rafts. So you know because you know we have to make sure that everything is set. So we're 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 there burying the rafts, and uh, you know his um, his um, security comes over the hill where we're burying the rafts, and our people are you know there's a whole bunch of uh, big guys because remember we've got hundreds of people that we've hired and people come from uh, some pretty tough neighborhoods so. We ended up uh, chasing um, his uh, security people away. Uh, they ran because, you know, as fast as they could yeah. to get away. And then we get a call, and uh, they settled. Um, they 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 ended up settling. So we got Chase on board, uh, and we kept on doing these actions against uh, the uh, um, um, predators on. Um, Let's see, we did one to, uh, um, he, uh, we did an action against, uh, uh, this, uh, hedge fund guy who, uh, was opposing these modifications in, uh, on Greenwich. Uh, and so we shut down the street, uh, one of the major streets in Greenwich, Greenwich, Connecticut. Uh, and we ended up, um, taking furniture, putting it on his lawn and uh, he backed off. We took on uh, John Mack, head of Morgan Stanley. And so we went there, and we had to get through the security. And there was like o- over, over three, three to 400 of us. Uh, and so we got through the security, because they were very supportive of us. We go to the house, and uh, I said, this is not a big fancy house. Well, it turns out that the house that we went to was uh, um, not his house, so one of his neighbors, one of John Mack's neighbors said uh, you know that's not his house that's where his uh, employees live, his servants. His house is the one on the hill <laughs> uh, with the tennis court and the swimming pools and all you know 10, 15, 20 rooms and all that stuff. so we go there, uh, we go to his house you know the uh, security people you know they, they uh, you know try to to stop me, so they, they identified me and they uh, were re, uh, grabbing me. And some of our uh, members and staff uh, were quite big and know <laughs> how to handle this, just sort of basically picked the guy up and said, "Yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> so that ain't gonna happen. Uh, so we got that agreement tw- 20 minutes later. Uh, they <laughs> 20 said, hey, You get to uh, do that. Uh, and so, because it was important that. We had it because the Obama administration was not they were they they were not help helping the helping the homeowners had the
0: the HAMP program put in, been put in place yet
1: Not really not there, there, there was really nothing out there okay. there 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 was really nothing out there so then you know we did Stanford then we did uh, um, an event in south South Carolina with uh, um, with with um Jane james clyburn we did that in columbia uh, and that was intense because we had uh, this really nice facility there this um it was uh, a convention center sort of stadium you could do it on um, different levels and i remember that i mean we're we do that for you know five days there and he's there and every one of them are trying to get the modifications and we have a location across the street where people would go from counseling over to across the street to uh, get a modification but one person was so determined he was so sick and uh, uh, he he wanted to save his house he died he, he, he passed he died at the event because he was so determined he would not go to He would not go to the hospital I mean it was devastating but people were so desperate to save their homes And everybody who came there had tried to work with their servicers and we say servicers because these are the lenders but they service the loans for the investors and and they had tried to save their homes you know by phone calls and all that but they couldn't so this was their last desperate chance and we were on the front lines and you know at that time we'd gotten a lot of attention mostly abroad I mean uh, I had, um, you know, we were in, in Dar Spiegel in Germany. Uh, I was phoned to London to do, um, a, a show there, which, which focused in on, um, was going on in Europe that was broadcast in uh, Europe, um, in, you know, we were highlighted in the Japanese papers and the Korean papers because a lot of these mortgages were sold to foreign investors. You know, so, you know, they were really being impacted. And then obviously it um, took off in terms of the attention that we got in, for the events we're doing in the States. So I can tell a lot of um, uh, it was it was crazy, Tim. Um, you know, we ended up doing 144 of um, these events. And, you know, we would have 10, 20, 30,000 people come. Oh, yeah. Um, you remember in you know, Los Angeles, where we, um, where we had you know, people who were two or three days before the event started, you'd have thousands of people waiting outside mm-hmm. overnight, uh, overnight, for one or two nights overnight, outside waiting for the events to start. Um, at the Cal Palace in San Francisco, I mean, you had, you know, I remember we had 7,000 people Outside a couple of days before the events were going to start, it's raining out. Chilly and rainy, I will never forget that. People are just, uh, you know, they have fires going and they're coming together as a group. I mean, um, it, was, it was so unbelievable. I mean, and, remember, and then at the Cow Palace, uh, one of the sewer lines broke to, uh, to um, that, and we had to deal with that. Uh, in West Palm Beach, if you remember when we did that, we had, you know, West Palm Beach, you think right. that, that is a wealthy Upscale area. Upscale, affluent you know? area, yeah. And we we would have people, I remember, you know, walking through, because remember, these were five day events, right? So at three o'clock in the morning, I'm walking, you know, in the conference center, it's a massive conference center, you know, and people refused to leave. And oh, I, I saw, you know, people, the children were huddling with their mothers on the floor, refusing to leave. He's saying, we're gonna keep our homes. And so what we said is, okay, we're gonna not just shut this down at one or two in the morning and start again at seven or eight. We're gonna do it 24 hours a day. And we ended up doing these events for 24 hours a day, sometimes for five days, sometimes we we extended it to seven days. Don't forget that that, uh,
0: event in Los Angeles you were just referring to uh a few moments ago was actually an 11 day event it was the largest foreclosure prevention event in
1: history and, and then and it was it was stuffed like that every day with people and then uh if uh, you you remember what happened i mean so we we had reached out to to the politicians and you know we wanted them to be on board to help get some legislation through or to support and all of the, the politicians, remember, these were the Democrats back then. In uh, the Los Angeles area, they asked for a meeting. So we met with their, with their chief of staff and some of the politicians, and they said, how dare you come into a Los Angeles and, and you should go through us. <laughs> and I said, well, oh, we'd love to if you were doing the work, and they weren't. So we said, you know, here's the deal. We're going to invite you to come to the event. You tell those homeowners, you tell them, that you're gonna take care of them and that they should not come to NACA. Because we we filled that void. Now, it overflowed and it was hard to help everybody, but no one else was out there. No one else was out there putting themselves on the line like NACA and the staff was doing. Because remember what was going on. We We had hired 800 counselors. You know, so between the 800 counselors that we had there, the, you know, the one, the probably couple of thousand of, this, of the um, of the staff of the lenders, right? 1,000 right. to 1,000, they would bring that in the investors. So we were providing same day solutions to people. When everybody said, oh, you couldn't do that. It was impossible to do that. So we were doing that, but we did not have the support from you know, people were more interested in turf, so we didn't have the support. So so the nonprofits, oh they, they you know were concerned that you know we're stepping on their toes on their turf. Uh, the politicians, you know they, you know it, we were they weren't we weren't going through them, so they didn't like us, and the Obama administration didn't like us because you know their solution was not working and they didn't want to be shown up. So, you know, we were out there on our own. We were, no one else was doing that. But, and our goal was that, you know, we shouldn't have to do this, that if we showed a model for how you could do a same day solution, others would build on that, would replicate it, and then we could be out of that. But that didn't happen. It never happened out there. But, you know, those were, I mean, it was devastating, but we helped over 250,000 homeowners save their home directly, not to mention the hundreds of thousands that got done because of the systems we put in place, what we forced the lenders and servicers and investors to, uh, to do, but we had to fight. Everything that we fought for, we got, we had to fight for. I mean, we had to shut down Fannie Mae, you know, you know, we, we had blockaded the entrance. I remember we were, uh, you know, protesting outside of their, you know, of their buildings. And then we said, okay, on the signal, we're gonna bust through the, uh, um, uh, the security uh, um, uh, fences and where the security and their dogs were. So uh, um, the guard dogs. So, you know, we, on, on the signal, we all went through it in one, in one shot so we went we got through their um security parameters we got to the uh, front of fannie mae we shut it down and the cops were fine so we figured well we're going to be here a long time so we ended up ordering pizza and uh and food and so the cops said to us you know because we wanted to make sure that we take care of them they said well can we get you some food they said don't tell anybody just put uh the pepperoni pizza in, uh, on the passenger side <laughs> of that vehicle over there. So we got that, but you know, it required all the fight. It required the fight and the solution, but that's what NACA does. We're always willing to push the limits to do the right thing for people in need. And it was, you know, this lasted over six years that we were doing this. I mean, we were on the road. Some of us were on the road for over two months at a shot. Right. At a shot, and it got to the point where we were just not doing one event at a time. We were doing, doing two, two, and sometimes we did three at the same time. I mean, I remember we we're doing Fresno and San Diego and Los Angeles at the same time because the need was yep. so tremendous out there. It
0: was. I think it's it's beyond the imagination, probably for most people, how massive this demand was. You know, there, there are several other stories that. That i could recall but just you know with with regards to the lines here in atlanta where we happen to be taping this right now this uh, i'll never forget the final day of our first event there at the georgia world congress center you know this very well as you know certainly as well as i do the crowd when we pulled up that morning was snaked through the plaza in between it and the cnn center down the entire length of the Georgia World Congress Center, down past the Georgia Dome, and out around the back of the Georgia Dome, and that's what met us that morning. And,
1: and, and the craziness of that was, that was on a Sunday, there were 23,000 people out there. So, I'm, so I am walking the line, right? Because people are amazing, and that is, people were patient, people, you know, there's no incidents, as long as you kept the line tight. If you didn't have the, the line organized or tight, and people are cutting in, that's when you have chaos. So I'm, you know, walking the line, and all of a sudden this black SUV pulls up, doors open, and these two big guys just pull me into a th- this uh, this uh, vehicle and drive me off. Uh, what's going on? Well, it turns out it was their, you know, um, task force, their uh, you know their terrorist task force <laughs> guys, you know, um, for the police here, and they. Bring me to the end of the line at the Georgia Dome, and they said, What are you gonna do about this? And we said, said, We got this. You can and they said, Well, if you don't have this, we're gonna send in the, you know, the task force, the um, the uh, um, the squads the, that they have. The riot squad. Yeah, yeah the, the riot squads and they we're we're gonna shut this thing down. I said, You shut it down and it's gonna be chaos That's here really to do that. So I ended up running to the uh, uh, back to the World Congress Center with two of uh, their security people, because there's 23,000 people. I mean, it, it was crazy. Mm-hmm. But and then we ended up working with them, uh, working with the World Congress Center, so that we would have these massive workshops. You know, they, we'd have them. You know, over a thousand people because they have, they have the space there, right? And we handled it. But I mean, that was just amazing. And then. In uh, Chicago, we had a massive one at the McCormick Center the there. Place, we jammed uh, that up, yeah. And we had Senator, Senator um, Durkin who was there, right? You remember mm-hmm. that he came to uh, that? And then um, uh, people were so mad at Chase because Chase was always the problem, right? Uh, out there that... Uh, and we, o- we, uh, we uh, always protected um, everybody. So there was never an incident. Right. Uh, but, uh, you know... But the Chase people were so afraid of their customers that everybody else was fine, Mm -hmm. but they ran out the back end, the the, the back of um, the convention center. Yeah,
0: and you know what? That's going to be our next conversation. I think we're going to leave it there and wrap this one up, but we're going to talk about Chase next, and there's a great story all of its own there. So let's wrap this one up. Thanks again, Bruce. You know These stories are just amazing, and I think a lot of people are learning just about Uh, how much this organization has done over these last 30-plus years.
1: Yeah, and that we should talk about what we did in terms of HUD, in terms of the Obama administration. Oh, yes, I
0: remember that, too. We'll get to that, too. Lots more to come, obviously. So thank you for being here for this edition of NACA's America Dream Podcast. We will be back very soon. Make sure you join us for the next one and the one after that. I promise they're all going to be just as interesting. We'll see you soon.